This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 61. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the next episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our review of Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. And then we have our top billing draft of worst Oscar bait movies. Must listen, folks. So use the bathroom now. Grab that popcorn and enjoy the 61st episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, Ricky Flex. Great to see you over Zoom this evening. This is Dr. O speaking for any of the new listeners. Flex, how was your Halloween? You watch any good movies? And how much candy did you scarf down? I'm not a huge candy guy. Well, hello, Dr. O. I'm not a huge candy guy, but I did scarf down a few pieces of Reese's, Reese's cups, um, Snickers, and Kit Kats. So those are like three go-tos of mine. But... I watched for the first time Nightmare Before, uh, sorry, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, what was it? The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, you had it right the first time. I was confused why you. I thought I said Halloween. Up. I thought I said Halloween in my head. See, this is just how it is, folks. This is welcome to the drive in podcast. But yeah, so I watched that for the first time. Gonna be honest, didn't love it. I'm not surprised you didn't love it because, well, first of all, I think we have to get one discussion out of the way. The question we posed on Twitter with a poll is yes. the nightmare before Christmas more of a Halloween or Christmas movie. What side of the argument do you lie? Ricky flicks. I'm a Halloween man by far and away. Halloween movie. It's too scary to be a Christmas movie and it has all Halloween characters as the main characters. And it's mainly based in a Halloween town. So I'm going to go Halloween and the main character, definitely Halloween. He's a skeleton for God's sakes, the pumpkin King. Yeah. Jack skeleton skeleton Jack. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Jack. Yeah. I think you got it. Well, he's like the King of Halloween too. Yeah. It's definitely for me, it's a Halloween movie, but the name is the nightmare before Christmas. And I saw it for the first time actually last year during Christmas time. And I was fascinated by the mix of this movie. Skellington. I was close. I was fascinated by the fact that this movie was a Tim Burton movie, but not directed by Tim Burton. And I think the only, like what really gives this movie a lot of life is Danny Elfman. And I just associate him with Spider-Man and Batman. You know, I just associate him with those superhero movies, but he's like the driving force of the nightmare before Christmas. But I like, I guess it has Christmas in the name. So I just kind of automatically associate that movie with Christmas. You know, I just do. Yeah. Yeah, it does have Santa Claus in it, but I don't know. At the end of the day, it's kidnap Santa. Uh, yeah, it's it's the Grinch before the Grinch, but then the Grinch animated movie was way before that. Yes, so I mean, I guess it's the perfect movie the day after Halloween, and you're like in that in between stage, you mm-hmm. know, at Thanksgiving that November time. I guess is the best month to watch it. Maybe yeah. it's like a. Maybe it's like the week before Thanksgiving. That's when you turn it on. Maybe that's too far out from Halloween, I guess. I don't know. There's mm. got to be like a, I guess you got to be either one or the other. No, just think about it this way. It's Christmas Eve. 
are you watching this movie? I no. think I did last year. Oh my. No. I had to see it. I had okay, to see well, it. Okay, well, after seeing it now, this Christmas, we've been watching this movie in December. No, but no, I would I didn't, but I didn't watch it on Halloween either this year. Well, I don't think it's a must see. I must see every year. Dare I say that? For, for a lot of people, it is. For a lot I know. of people, it, it definitely I think is. it's like a 95% certified fresh around tomatoes. Like this is like Tim Burton in his prime. Like oh, this is well, it's not his movie though. Well, but he but he produced it. Like it's also like right. It's clearly like Tim Burton elements in here as well. I know you were talking about not Tim Burton, but I'm gonna go the other side. This did feel like Tim Burton. Well, you know, no, because I, I don't think you've watched the Netflix, the movies that made us. They did. did they not. have a whole, they have a whole Christmas line, and they've done Elf. They've done The Nightmare Before Christmas. But it was like a Tim Burton production he wanted to make for so long, but he had to pass it on. They just kind of kept his vision for it. So it, it's actually uh, it's interesting to watch. I'm not a huge fan of the movies that made us. They make it super cheesy and they repeat mm. lines. The, the, the narrator's editor, tough. The, the edits are so annoying in those. But I love movies and I like like I like seeing how movies are made. So I'm not gonna like dismiss it, especially with something like a movie I see for the first time and it's no, it's it's been popularized as a Christmas classic. I kind of have to see how it's done. Yeah, no, I it, I had to see it. Like, every, like most people like it. It just it wasn't my cup of tea. It just wasn't. the The music was uh, good. Like I think like the whoever was mm-hmm. were the voice actors. I thought they were good. And there was some the like, imagery that movie's insane. Jack Skellington in the moon. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, really good. You were like I was. I literally was saying like like Leo meme. <laughs> there it is. Like all the stills yeah. that you see, like the famous stills from mm-hmm. the movie. Like they were like twenty five days of Christmas. You'll see that. Right. 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 But yeah, no, uh, it, like it's just not one that it's a must rewatch every year, either in Halloween or Christmas time for me. If, if, if you're a spooky person, I guess, if you're a spooky person, certain people like that stuff. But I, I watched Young Frankenstein last night. And oh, wow. uh, and so I, I, I wasn't in the mood to like scare, like I already had the Sunday scaries. I didn't want to like go to another level with like these, like a, like an intense horror movie. Um, but I watched Young Frankenstein and I got to say, Igor might be like the most funny like side character in movie history. Like, like so he's he, like it, it's insanely funny. He's easily the funniest in the movie, including Gene Wilder. Easily the funniest in that movie. I was I was just thinking about this the other day. It was after we had the Mel Brooks conversation about him like reprising his uh, uh, picking up the pen again to write History of the World Part Two. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Ninety five years old. But I was thinking. Ooh, but uh, I was just thinking, man, Gene Wilder underrated. So good. He was Wonka. so like RIP, but he was so good. He's he is Willy Wonka. No matter how good Timothy will Timothy Chalamet will be in this next one, he will always be Willy Wonka. And he not only that, he was in so many other great roles and alongside the great Richard Pryor as well. Silver Streak, Stir Crazy. Like, like he was yeah. money. He was money. So good. Absolute box office. Uh definitely could have been drafted in the underrated draft. Did he get drafted? No, but I, I regret not picking him. Like he like that that might be a first overall it's just, pick. It's like I don't know if he's underrated. He's just blazing forgotten. saddles. He's forgotten. Guy. Like I think yeah. everyone loves him. He's just he's so old now. Like he died, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. like, but it, but his movies are so old. Like his earliest movie is like 1981. Like as most recent, I should say, is right. 1981. Nuts. But I was I, I'm glad that I ended my Halloween on that note. Um, I also got to say, Ricky Flex, right before we started recording, I did stop home at our parents' house. And I was just going to pick up like this, like bowl of chili. And, uh, cause my mom's, my, our mom said, Hey, pick up this chili after work and like yep. you can bring it back to your house. I'm like, I'm not going to pass up free food, mom. And I know that her chili's fire, but I was turning 
there's a stop sign right before as we're going down a hill to turn onto like the main street and where we live. And I blew through a stop sign all of a sudden. Oh no. I got got pulled over a literally, like I want to say a hundred yards away from our our, our parents' house. A hundred yards I got pulled over. And like like my boss lives like right down the street from me. Uh, I'm a teacher. He's a principal. So like, I'm nervous that he's going to drive by me. I'm pulled over by a cop, like in front of his house. Like, it's just like the nightmare scenario. So talk about Sunday scaries, the carrying over into Monday, just absolutely brutal. After Halloween, Sunday scaries. Oh yeah. Post Sunday scaries, the Monday scaries. Uh, That's all I got. Ricky flex. Any more stories where we hit the checkup? No, no. I think I'm, I'm gearing up for Thanksgiving, but Halloween, uh, Christmas is November 1st or when you're listening to this, November 2nd, Christmas movies, soon to be the season of Christmas movies. I Not yet. To watch them. Not yet. Not yet. But it's coming up now. It's November, officially on Christmas watch. We just need mid-November. Then we hit the planes, trains, and automobiles. Like That's going to be yep. my tradition from yep. now on. Yep. And then we launch into Christmas season right on the day after Thanksgiving. Let's get to the checkup. Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho debuted at number four in the film's domestic box office opening weekend with a disappointing $4.2 million. This will be today's review. Next up on the checkup, the full cast of the Hocus Pocus remake has been revealed. First reported by Dr. Rowe. The film will star Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso, Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najami, Sam Richardson, and Tony Hale. Next. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has found his next project. The megastar will star in Red One, a Christmas-themed action-adventure film from Amazon Studios. The Rock, who is also producing the film via his Seven Bucks production company, has recruited Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle director Jake Kasten to helm the movie. Next, Taika Waititi is reportedly set to direct Disney's Tower of Terror, starring Scarlett Johansson. Whoa, what a name. Next, Sony reportedly wants to show Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in the next Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. However, Kevin Feige does not want such ideas to come to fruition. So what do you think they should do? Me and Ricky Flux will discuss. Next, Nicolas Cage is reportedly set to return for both National Treasure 3 and 4. Two more. Well, he'll also make a cameo in the upcoming TV series. Next, Chris Pratt. Back in the animation game, he's been cast as Garfield in an animated Garfield movie. Jeez Louise, next thing you know, he's going to be Fred Flintstone. Next, Jim Carrey has reportedly been cast as Marvel villain Modoc for multiple MCU projects. What? Including several Disney Plus series. Ricky Flick snuck that in. Lastly, to round up the checkup, the Boondock Saints 3 is happening with Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery. Director Troy Duffy will reunite with the stars for uh, the first movie since the Boondock Saints 2. Most Irish fans gotta be hyped up. That's gonna do it for the checkup this week. Ricky Flex, where do you wanna start? A big checkup this week. Big checkup. We're getting to that time where it's not only about to be Oscar season, or is it, dare I say, Oscar season has been started, but also the news, the news flow is just out of this, out of this world right now. Um Honestly, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, I don't really want to talk about it too much, even though I do, because I'm nervous that this could just be fake. Are you nervous? I think it came from the direct. The direct is sometimes, I think it's pretty reliable usually. 
Okay. I, I've, I've been getting bad vibes the past few weeks about Toby and Andrew Garfield being in this movie. I don't you don't know. They're going to be in it at all? I, I was all out or all in on them being in this movie for over a year and a half. And now the past couple weeks, I don't know anymore. It's just, it's getting too crazy. It's getting, I just need to see a second trailer. I need to see it before I lose my mind. I, they almost have me here. I, I, Ricky, you're an idiot if you think they're not getting this movie. They have to you're be. You're an idiot. <laughs> but dude, you, you, you have, you're having second thoughts right now. Do not let the, the crowd, the Twitter crowd, the social media crowd get to you. They're obviously in this movie, Ricky. All the clues are there. I right? know. I, you want to shut this down because the worst thing that could possibly happen is that Feige lets this potential live action Spider-Verse gets so close to happening that it hypes the fans up this much and then tears the rug from underneath them. Like they would It's have too to big to fail. It's it's too big for him to like say like the, to to find to like at this point to say they're not in the movie. Like you can you have the actor saying they're not in the movie. They're told to say that. They're told to say that. Like, like I'm at the point to say that. I'm at the point where if they're not in this movie, I don't think I could watch another Marvel MCU uh, movie again. Just That's how mad it. I would be. I wouldn't watch a single, like, I would put it on the record. I will not watch a single MCU project. Like, I don't know if I could. Ricky Flex, like, I, it's just, they're in it. They're in it. Okay. Just, it, it but the question I see you're not, here, not entering the question, this pack with me. The question, no, no, we are on different ends of the spectrum here. Ricky Flex, do you, if they are in the movie, are you interested in seeing a sneak of them in the next trailer? No, I don't want I don't want it. I'm just saying I'm nervous there. It's odd that there hasn't been a second trailer already. If you look at the Marvel slates and second and when second trailers come, they usually come uh, either 120 days or earlier. And we haven't even gotten a second trailer and we're less than that. Like, by a yeah, lot. we're less than a hundred days. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a good sign either there's a lot of reshoots it's a going good on side this is a good sign you're, you're you're falling for it again ricky again once again what do you mean you, you you're just the first you're, time you're saying there's a chance but no i'm saying right now you're falling for it like you think they're not gonna be in the oh movie. okay i think they're not gonna be in the movie they're not showing the trailer because they're probably making this exact decision of whether to show them in the next trailer or not or they just won't give us a second trailer because they know it's gonna leave us like absolutely sprinting to our movie theaters on December 17th when this movie drops. They better not show. Uh, all right. All right. I'm gonna... That's why we've only gotten one trailer. I didn't say like I'm officially out on the idea. I'm just saying I'm starting to lose faith. I'm starting to lose faith. What, what made you like actually think that though? Just, what made you actually think that? There's just, I obviously the train, not to say anything like Andrew Garfield, like coming out repetitively saying that he's not in the movie. The, like whatever charlie cox saying he's not in the movie daredevil whatever i don't believe anything anymore but the reason that and we're not even getting a second trailer like i think to play devil's advocate to what you're saying as in whether they should show them or not in the second trailer i think it could be like oh my god like we're not gonna show them like what's gonna happen like are we gonna get like a fallback from this is there gonna be like people that like you know what i'm saying like they might get people might get so mad okay so there's yes because like there's definitely a lot of fans that do, i actually do want to see yes him. like they want to see him in the trailer rather than the movie yes uh i don't I, i'm on the board i do not want to see them whatsoever i prefer we don't even get another trailer 
Um, but even if they don't show up in the movie, like, is it really going to deter you and like b- break your trust with Marvel? I mean, they weren't in the universe in the first place, you know, like they, like it, we are getting older Spider-Man villains, right? We're getting, I guess that, that would kind of hurt your, that would, that would kind of make you even more disappointed yeah. if we're getting yes, like exactly. Doc Ock and like Green Goblin back. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that it would, it would be crushing. It would be but, it, it would be a huge blow. It's like they're just toying with us. Just they're just taking advantage of us in this anticipation. That's why like a boycott must be like must happen. This is like what happens when like you know what it reminds me of. If someone is cast as like Reed Richards, that's not John Krasinski. Oh, and like you know how like they've hyped it up so much, and like fans have hyped it up so much. I'm not the MCU, but fans have talked mm-hmm. about it so much. Now, if it doesn't happen, they'll just revolt. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? like it. Like they force their and. Hand. And fans with Disney, because Marvel MCU is Disney. Rosario Dawson was a fan cast, and they literally picked her from a fan cast from fan casting. So, like Disney has a history of doing it. So maybe John Krasinski will get that. But I do think that's a good analogy. And I don't know, Doctor O. I still have faith. I'm just saying, I'm starting to lose it. I'm 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 still supremely confident. But Ricky Flex, let's go on to another portion of this checkup. I mean, do we just stay with Marvel? Jim Carrey? Where the heck did you find this, dude? Also this, on the direct? Yes, also on the direct. I saw this. And I saw this today. They better not be just blowing smoke up all our butts. Like, what, what the heck is this? That's what I'm trying to say. I saw this, and I'm like, all right, this can't be real. But then you Bill see Bill Murray spider. and Jim Carrey joining the MCU in the same week? Are you kidding? It's the funniest week in Marvel history. But it's, I don't know. It's it's very odd. Jim Carrey's on a downward, sp- like a a decline in his career right now, right? Like he's had to like go to Sonic. That's how bad it's gotten. It's gone to Sonic. It's gone to Dumb and Dumber Two, which failed. He's doing a Sonic Two. Like this isn't this isn't he's going had personal well troubles him. as well. Yes, that too. So like he's just this the past couple of years or not couple like decade almost just hasn't been going his way, and now he's just getting cast in MCU project I, or MCU character. I don't know what's going on. I like. I think we might have a beef with the direct if they are pulling our chain on this. Like, like they are usually a pretty reliable source when it comes to Marvel news. But Jim Carrey, you're right. Like, dude, he's been really crappy. Like, <laughs> like in Marvel, the past, like decade. Like, 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 yeah. what is? How has he looked at as such a compelling uh, hire? I guess at this time or recruit. I mean, look at his him in other superhero projects when he played a villain. The Riddler, like what, what type, what type of like voice are we going for here? Like you'd think Jim Carrey, like he's not going to take like, especially if he's, if he's like voicing this character, he's not going to take it as seriously as like Kevin Feige wants him to take it. He's going to go all out fun with this role, almost to an extent where I could see it being an issue. It's just like Marvel back in the Robert Downey Jr. getting hired, Chris Evans getting hired, you know, all these like either unproven or just comeback trail stories to get their roles in the MCU and then now you're getting Christian Bale, Ethan Hawke, people at the height of their powers or just well, like people right. that are still doing well right now. Marshall Ali, like they're getting the oh, MCU yeah. roles. But then we're just going back to like the RDJ, like 08 days. We're here with Jim Carrey, someone that's fallen out of favor with Hollywood getting a chance. Just breaks that trend, this recent trend with Marvel right now. And it's just kind of, it just seems very odd and unbelievable. But it comes from a reliable source, I guess. Yeah. And like, like Owen Wilson, it almost has like an Owen Wilson feel to it when he's casting like mm. uh, Loki. Mm. 
You know, it's just like kind of where's he been? I guess Owen well, Wilson's been more relevant lately. Uh, yeah. he's, he's always Wes Anderson. Like, yeah, he's like five minutes. Then I in Paris Wes in twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a long time. That's ten years ago. Uh, yeah. So I guess we're let's just keep connecting dots. We're going MCU, MCU. Who else is part of the MCU? Oh, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt cast as Garfield. This guy is taking every single lead in an animated movie ever, ever. So- all right, so we got he was in like obviously Lego movie. We got him in Mario. Onward. Now this. And onward. He's in everything. Four. Four in the past. He was in two Lego whatever. movies. Two Lego movies. Oh, right. Two. Oh my God. But yeah, he's just he's perfect for it though. Like he's just perfect for animated voicing. No. He has such know. a good voice. I I I, I it's I, funny. I'm not a fan kids, of Garfield. Like I like I, I well, look at what happened with Bill Murray. So we are connecting the dots again. Bill Murray, he like that that movie's unbearable. <laughs> Both of them. Both of them. Once again, two of them. So it's just like, I don't know. I have no desire to see a Garfield movie. I'm kind of I'm like Wait, Chris Pratt. Is, Garf- rather- is Garfield 2 the London one? Yes. That thing should be like deleted from history. Yeah. Deleted. Like, yes. Like literally burned from the archives. Never to be touched again. Never, Never to be touched. Never. Bill Murray but- is not one on his, on his resume. I don't, I don't know why he's like, I would rather see Chris Pratt try other things and just keep doing these animated movies. I guess it's really simple. It makes him a lot of money and uh, it keeps up his star appeal. I he guess li- he lives for action slash franchise movies and animated voiceovers. He lives for this stuff. He lives for the money, the big money, big box office. He lives for it. Crazy. I, I can't believe he's doing that. And I guess we should transition now. I, I got nothing else to say about that, but Taika Waititi. Um, we were this surprised that we were surprised that Scarlett Johansson took on another Disney project, right? Following her fallout with Disney over Black Widow and her payment and her suing Disney, and uh, she's like, "Nope, okay, ready to move on to the next Disney project and continue our relationship." Like, what? But this all of a sudden gains a lot of credibility now that Taika Waititi has stepped up to the plate. Did you see this one coming, Flex? No. Well. I didn't see Scarlett Johansson obviously working with Disney again. Shocker. We talked about that before. But Taika in a Tower of Terror, like what kind of movie is this going to be? Is this going to be like actually like a serious, not like a Jungle Cruise type, but like a serious good movie or like a like a kind of like a comedy, but also just a good movie in general? That has my opinion now with Scarlett Johansson in the lead and Taika Waititi uh, taking on the project here. This combination going forward, like if they don't cast the rock and they actually cast like a good actor next to her, then, then my God, this could be actually a good movie, even though tower of terror, you just think like, Oh, this is going to be like a jungle cruise since it's also a Disney ride. I mean, I don't even know what the vibe with this, what this would be. I hope it's not the same thing as jungle cruise. I feel like Taika is kind of above that. I feel like he's going to put together something really creative. Um, I, I just want to see who else is cast in the movie. I like, I like, mm. like it has, it has everything I already like want for the movie with obviously Scar, Scar Joe, one of the best in the game and yep. Taika, like arguably one of the best in the game as well. Um, I'm just kind of surprised he took this on knowing that he already has a bunch of Willie. Wal- he is a Wonka projects in the works at Netflix. He's got, um, he's just finished Thor love and thunder production. Thor, love and thunder. So that's like next that's goal like, wins just finished. I, well, think, I was going to say well. that. And he's also doing, uh, Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, and uh, what? What am I forgetting? Flash Gordon. He's doing a Flash Gordon. Oh my god! 
He's writing Flash Gordon. Like he has latched onto a bunch of franchises here, and like he's coming off like two years ago with Jojo Rabbit. Like he now he's next goal wins. Next goal wins could be like a follow up to that in terms of like that more prestigious type of movie making, like Oscar Beatty type of stuff. But I just, I'm just shocked that he's latching on literally to like five different franchises. It's very odd. It's especially with he's attached to some important ones already with star Wars, because he also remember he was he helped with the Mandalorian as well. And uh, obviously like uh, with uh, Thor. So like, he's already attached to two like longstanding franchises. Then he's just getting like, th- we're talking about Disney here. This could be another one. Yeah. This is, so we'll see here. That'd be cool if they made it like, if he like tested out the waters of a horror, like tower of terror, like Disney a horror movie, like obviously Disney. So probably not, but Hey, a man could dream. Could be like a Pirates of the Caribbean type vibe, I guess. With yeah. this like movie, I can see that a little darker, but not too dark. Uh, mm. Maybe Taka, you know, he's going to cast himself for a minor role in here. Mm. I wonder what that's going to be. Uh, any any actor you want to see like join this cast? Maybe one he's worked with before uh, to go alongside ScarJo. Well, I mentioned The Rock or Chris Hemsworth, Don't say that. someone Don't that he walked okay. worked with before. Don't want to see it, but I could see it if it's going to go the Jungle Cruise route. Uh, but I don't want it to go that route. It won't be The Rock, because in case they make a, a, a Disney ride cinematic universe, <laughs> you Jungle. can't have it two roles. <laughs> Imagine a Jungle Cruise Tower of Terror uh, crossover. Cl- a collab. Like, <laughs> collab. <laughs> but, I don't even know what you would do. Maybe maybe The Rock turns into like the bellboy, the bellhop. For mm. the Tower of Terror elevator. You know who I could... All right. Let's get back to it. You know who I could see in this? We mentioned him before. Chris Pratt. I could see that too. And a Taika like, Waititi This is movie, right up his alley. Like Guardians, like, makes sense. Potential franchise. Yep. Taika. Yeah. I don't know, man. That Chris could happen. Pratt yeah. would be a good one. Uh, yeah. I like that. I think that fits him better than Garfield. <laughs> uh yeah, so I, that's all I really got for the checkup. Uh, Dwayne, The Rock, is we're, we're just connecting everybody. So like The Rock, we just talked about oh, poten- right. pot- potential bellboy in the Tower of Terror will be Santa Claus. It's going to be Santa Claus, something we've talked about before. Yep. Um, probably something that will, is going to go probably straight to streaming with Amazon Studios. Who knows? Maybe I mean they're if they're buying movie theaters, who knows what Amazon's doing right now? But uh I'm just looking. I can't say I'm looking forward to this one. I have my Christmas. It was bound to happen. I have my Christmas movie lineup set and it will not change for the foreseeable future. My latest edition was Klaus and I'm not accepting any other applications at this time. Mm, Yeah. This has a little tooth fairy vibes coming off of it, but we'll see. (laughs) Tooth fairy. (laughs) Man. uh, If the rock looked at one movie in his repertoire or on his resume do you think he would scratch off the tooth fairy or something else the game plan maybe the game dude those are that's neck and neck <laughs> that's neck and neck which one do you want to get rid of more the tooth fairy though that that's got to be bad. i think because he's wearing the wings that's just i think that's the game the plan dude <laughs> jesus christ he would, i can't believe that he made that movie and you were gonna be like yes this is going to be the biggest movie star on the planet he's wearing freaking tooth fairy wings as a costume i know our little sister peyton was obsessed with the game plan because the girl's name was peyton i'm like peyton this is not a good movie just because the girl's name was peyton never talk. another movie that should be deleted forever yes now like, but oh speaking gosh. of biggest stars in the planet last thing here nick cage yes nick cage 
So I didn't know they were making two more sequels to National Treasure. I'll believe that when I actually and see it. And a TV it. series. Yeah, I know the TV series is coming. Nick Cage, I'm like, I'm like, I that one just had some news come out that someone has just been cast as the lead. It was a, the female uh, actress. I forgot who it was. It's not a big name, but I don't think there's going to be a three and four. Like, I feel like Nicolas Cage will not have like the, the stamina for a three and hey, four. And he loves to work. Yes. But I don't know if he wants to play the same role like this over and over again. I mean, it took forever for him to make, to even move on to this third one. You know, like, yeah. I can't, I, I can't see uh, Benjamin Franklin Gates, like, appearing in three more projects yeah that'd be kind of much that'd be a Just, lot justin barth is probably begging for the work though yeah, yeah he's yeah, like definitely. he's like thank god i've been waiting a decade and a half for this it's just like in the it's just like in the movie he gets his one percent he needs one percent here he's begging for nick cage he's like dude yeah he's like benjamin he's like, gates hang- help me out sir all he has is the hangover and national treasure two right Two like mini franchises that were back to back in the late 2000s. (laughs) He is dying for work right now. Needs it. I wonder what he's doing. Uh, Shout out Justin Bartha. uh, What's his name? Uh, Shout out. uh, What's his What's his name in the hangover? Uh, Shout out Doug. Doug. (laughs) Not Black Doug. Yeah, not fine. All right. Let's get to the uh, trailer roundup. Although Black Doug, we love him too. Uh, We had three different trail, four different trailers here. Ricky Fix, three from movies. We had Lightyear from Disney Pixar, starring Chris Evans, coming out June seventeenth, twenty twenty two. This trailer absolutely took the internet by storm. Super viral. Can't wait to talk about this. We have the final trailer for The House of Gucci, that's dropping November twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Okay, that's a Thanksgiving week release. Can't wait to see that one. Ridley Scott's second movie in less than two months, okay, following The Last Duel. And then we had a first trailer for The Book of Boba Fett, a, an upcoming series on Disney Plus will debut on December 29th. And then finally, this was a uh, there was some new footage for Morbius as they will release a trailer tomorrow, unfortunately, a mm-hmm. day after we record this podcast. That movie is dropping January 28th, 2022. Ricky Flex, let's talk light year. I think that's where we have to start. That was the most exciting trailer. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. It has almost like a grit vibe to it. If you compare like Buzz Lightyear 1995 to Buzz Lightyear 2021, I feel like Pixar is getting a little too serious <laughs> with this project. I don't see a lot of laughs incoming. I do love the Star Wars reference. Right. It looks like they go into the Dagobah yes. system. It looks like they're going to see yes, yes. Yoda. I don't think they'll make that move to like actually uh, have that character Yoda show up. But I have a theory that they're going to have. So Buzz Lightyear is in this movie, mm-hmm. like the toy. How about the aliens, right, from the claw showing up on that planet? And their, yes. their toys are based on the people from this planet, just like the, well, boy, Buzz Lightyear. I think uh, you're missing a big one here, Dr. Real. Oh, who's going to play Zerg. Oh, yes. Yes. Who's going to play Zerg? J- James Earl Jones. I, Robert, I, I, Redford. <laughs> Robert Redford. But uh, I think that's the big one here. I think that's a great call. I didn't think of that, but I was thinking Zerg the entire time. I, I honestly think we might, my prediction. I love Zerg. Is that, he might like similar to like a let's go back to Star Wars here, a new hope where 
he doesn't he's not a jedi yet right luke skywalker but like you know obviously we're blowing up the death star and everything going on but lightyear he might like encounter zerg or like the organization or whatever but then at the end you figure out like all right he's gonna get the suit at the end and that's gonna be like your uh like post credit scene or like the final end to get you to the second one the sequel and like your two will happen and then he's gonna go full body him versus zerg like empire strikes back uh luke versus darth vader jesus Thoughts. they're just gonna like do an exact replica of yes. star wars we're doing it so four and five why not yes. why not and how uh scale of one to ten what was your freak out level when you saw buzz lightyear's hair yeah, it's going to have to be a 9.5. It looked Shocking. so weird. A little creepy as in the characters. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Shocking. Shocking. And like, it's, it's like the darker colors of his suit. Yes. It's all beat up and everything. I'm like, dude, this is like a gritty Buzz Lightyear. Like gritty Buzz Lightyear movie. Are we doing this? I was, oh man. I was thinking this. You same might have to make thing. it rated PG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I was thinking like, oh, like, is this going to be like first man when they're like, they have to do like the training and everything. And like Ryan Goss is going to be thrown up on the toilet after the spins or something. I don't know. Buzz Lightyear's oh, going to, I don't know. Are we going to do Buzz Lightyear training? Like we just want to see him get to the action here. That's why I think we're going to need a second movie to get full on Buzz Lightyear in the suit. And I have a feeling like we're going to get our sad moment. I think his friend's going to die. Onward moment. Oh my yeah, god! Like to the infinity and beyond, they do at the end of the trailer. I'm oh, like that, I'm like that. That that's gonna be a sad moment. Something bad's gonna happen to that girl. Right after that, right. the like next it, mission. It could be like a. It could be like um, like a, a a rocket explosion. It could be I don't know at death at the hands of Zerg. That right, might be, right. That might be a little too dark, but there's hey. something's gonna happen to her. Where this Buzz Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear will forever say to infinity and beyond, like after this person's left his life setting up for a sequel revenge revenge against zerg i like they should have just done this in live action (laughs) you think that's 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 next next. (laughs) (laughs) what if what if the the sequel was the live action i don't know that oh my god let's take this up a notch let's make it the multiverse (laughs) the multiverse of disney pixar what if they just made every disney pixar into live action (laughs) dude oh man do you think that's eventually going to happen when they run out of ideas? Like, let's just make the, let's make the Toy Story live action. <laughs> Toy Story live action. The toys. <laughs> I feel like Onward could have been like live action somehow. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. But I don't think it's CGI everywhere. Yeah, I just don't think it got enough of a following for that. But like, I, I, I do think maybe like we might get like live action Finding Nemo. Yeah, like, like under the like, water. Like, like, like they did with like uh, Lion King. Yeah, like that yeah. type of thing. They could do yeah. that with Finding Nemo. Yeah, I, I feel or like the Incredibles. Pixar, the Incredibles would be pretty cool live action. Yeah, that would be cool. I think Disney yeah. Pixar is too much pride. I think like yes, they, like they take too they're much pride just, in the animation and change the game. Yeah, they're like, don't touch our stuff. Right. Uh, well, Ricky Flex is also. I, I don't. You have any other thoughts on Lightyear before we move on? Uh, it's again like I I kind of did some hesitations, but it is a John Watts movie, right? Spider Man uh, director as in this trilogy and also fantastic four. So. John Watts is directing Lightyear. It, am I wrong on that? I didn't think that. I didn't think that. Oh, all right. Maybe I'm crazy here. Maybe, I'll look it up really, really quick, but maybe he's not, but that would be cool. Then uh, Angus McLean. I take that back. I, take I, was it like, back. I, was, I was, I was shocked when you said that. I'm like, why well, Pixar would never, they would never I take it uh, back. I take it back. You did take it back. Uh, I was kind of disappointed we didn't really get to hear more of 
Chris Evans with the voice because a whole generation mm-hmm. has had Tim Allen as the voice of Buzz Lightyear. I think it's going to take a lot of getting used to to hear a, someone else talk as Buzz Lightyear. Uh, I don't think I'm ready for that. I think Tim Allen is just too iconic as Buzz that I'm not going to mm-hmm. like really accept Chris Evans too much. I got to hear him actually do the voice. And we all say we heard him say like two words to infinity, and then it was like that's it. I'm like, well, I got to hear him say the full thing. Yeah, but I think also, like, I know this might be rated PG, like we were discussing, but I think kids are still going to see this movie and not think of the Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story. They're going to think of Buzz Lightyear. Right. I'm talking about for us, though, Ricky. Yeah. I I don't care about the kids. I'm talking about for us. Like, what? Dr. O does not care about the kids. No, not not in this case. No, 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 no. Like, (laughs) this is a movie podcast. This is a movie podcast. We, like, I need to. That I'm judge half the movie I'm judging on is probably his voice and as Buzz Lightyear. Does he live up to Tim Allen? That'll be the first question I pose when we have this review. Did he live up to Tim Allen? Did Chris Evans live up to Tim Allen? That's gonna be the big question here after this movie. <laughs> um, but let's talk about Book of Boba Fett because I just watched the trailer. Uh, Mandalorian has been an absolute phenomenon for Star Wars. The best thing Disney has done done alongside Rogue One with the Star Wars universe. I'm excited to see this aspect. I think Boba Fett is an electric character. I didn't think I like, there was a bunch of stories coming out. Oh, a Boba Fett movie might be coming. This is like going five, six years ago. Boba Fett movie might be, be getting launched by Disney, a little solo John, but after the failures of solo, it kind of got kicked to the curb. But after the Mandalorian, I gained some confidence. Like, yeah, maybe I do want to see something like this. So and after his his appearance in the Mandalorian, it was absolutely phenomenal. I loved Boba Fett. It was great. And, uh, and the violence, the uh, intensity of his character. The only thing I really didn't like, he, he in the trailer, he's not wearing his helmet, like, ever. Like, that's the best yeah. part about Boba Fett. He is the helmet. I, I said, That was going to be my thing. I was going to say, he has his helmet off too much. He's yeah. got to have that mystique around him. Obviously, we know what he looks like. But I think he has to have his helmet on. I think he, he does. does. And that's why the Mandalorian, that's why, like, everyone loves the Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal, like, hey looking man right but he has his helmet on all the time in the mandalorian why not the same thing for boba fett yeah and the mandalorian they would never dare show you in the trailer pedro pascal taking off his helmet never never Never. only happened once it's it's three times i think three times oh yeah right 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 right, 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 take his helmet off right yes i'm thinking now and then obviously you don't see the end grogu yeah yeah i think first season other time three uh yeah, so I think that's like the allure of Boba Fett. You see, he looks so cool, but he doesn't look that cool when he's just a bald man who looks like Charlie Villanueva. You know, it's just like <laughs> he's just like I don't. He just doesn't look as intense and as like yeah, no, draggy, I'm with you. you know, no, no. I'm uh, with but you. I, it's kind of interesting that he's taking up the mantle of uh, Jabba the Hutt. And Jabba the Hutt is referenced a lot in this trailer. You got to wonder, is there like a descendant of Jabba the Hutt that's going to come around? And does the Mandalorian, right, himself, Pedro Pascal, make an appearance in the show? Mm, yeah, I think that's that that will happen. If not this season, the next, if, the, if there is a next, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think that's a big question, but I think that will happen. And uh, I was going to say, it was always about respect. It was always Jabba the Hutt. It was always <laughs> respect. But uh, yeah, I thought I even heard Mandalorian's voice in the trailer. I could be wrong. Oh, really? So- I, it sounded very similar to Pedro Pascal's character. Interesting. Um, and something. 
to kind of round out here, Ricky Flex, and we don't have to talk about House of Gucci. It's really the same stuff that we saw yeah. from the original. Trailer. It's almost getting. I'm almost seeing this trailer too much. Yeah, that I like. I I've lost like the lust for this movie. I was really craving it before, but I don't have it nearly as much as I did a few months ago. You know, maybe because there's so many movies coming out at this time, and my my focuses are elsewhere. And maybe mm-hmm. a Spider Man's coming out, and I like the MCU movies are coming out, so like my focus is drawn there as well. It's just. And I just saw a Ridley Scott movie that I enjoyed. I mean, I should be like more elevated and like hard yeah. to see it. This cast, this cast, the topic, the scandalous topic as well of it, not just around the brand Gucci, but I just I'm hearing too much Lady Gaga Russian, even though she's supposed to be Italian voice. I'm I'm hearing too much of her. The accents are really throwing me off already. Yeah, it's I've by the time I see this movie, I'm gonna be sick of listening to Lady Gaga, and I haven't even seen the movie yet. Right. Um and then to kind of wrap up here, Morbius trailer dropping tomorrow. We did get like a short, almost teaser for tomorrow's trailer. There's a lot of like hints in this like new footage that we're going to have more Spider-Verse characters in this movie. That's been teased that Venom will be uh, in this trailer tomorrow, will be uh, at least referenced in the trailer tomorrow. Yeah, I saw and, it. And then the Daily Bugle newspaper from the footage today hints at characters like Rhino, and Black Cat being in this universe. Are you kind of shocked that they're teasing all these different characters, especially with how Venom 2 ended? I'm shocked with uh, Rhino and uh, the other one that you just mentioned. I just forget. Runs Black Cat. Thank you. But the Venom, not surprised at all because, you know, we got the in the first show, What's Up Doc, Michael Keaton, Vulture. So I'm not surprised with Venom after the ending of Venom 2 post credit scene. And I saw the leak, little Venom Thing that uh Jared Leto does Morbius does in the, in the trailer or in the movie after I don't know if it'll be in the trailer but um it's just like him saying like, like playing with his tongue saying I'm Venom and he's like no no I'm not it was like a joke saying I'm not really Venom so I don't know it wasn't too crazy but it does acknowledge Venom's in this universe mm-hmm. so uh I, I'm I'm sort of excited for this it's hard I don't really trust Jared Leto too much I do think like he has some potential in the house of Gucci that we just talked about like I'm like he might be like the most compelling character in that movie alongside Adam Driver for Possibly me Possibly a scene stealer yeah like big time definitely could be and, and his accent it seems legit right he she's a real fire crack uh, you know but like probably I, one of the best if not the best accent uh out of this cast so far that we've seen definitely and yeah. uh Morbius, I don't like this one kind of like bringing everything together for these Spider-Verse characters. <laughs> and I like out of like, cause you know, Tom Hardy, Venom, you're like, damn, that's pretty good. And then like we, and then obviously Tom Holland, maybe he could be, he can introduce some of these new villains. But I don't like how they're going back to Rhino from the amazing Spider-Man movies and then hinting at a future character like Black Cat. It's like, don't even mm-hmm. include Rhino. Don't even include it. Cause yeah. now you set an expectation that Paul Giamatti might return to this role or you're, you're having to cast it again. Like, don't even open yourself up. Why wouldn't you just like talk about another Spider-Man character, like mm-hmm. maybe a Craven or something like Ooh. you know is going to happen. And yes. Put that in like the newspapers that can be easily edited. So like, Figure that out. Uh, that does it for the trailer roundup this week. And that does it for the checkup. We will now move on to our review of Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho.
Cry Ricky Flicks, Last Night in Soho, a movie that we've been waiting for probably a year and a half, a movie that's been delayed time and time again, but we finally got to see it in theaters. We both saw it separately, and I believe we saw it alone. Very sad. <laughs> but I, I was the only one in my theater again. Only one? Oh, my God. I was at, mine was pretty crowded. Mine was pretty crowded, to be honest. And I'm so shocked by the $4.2 million from and finishing fourth in the box office opening weekend. That's got to be disappointing stuff, right? You're right. But let's Not get as bad as the- Last Duel. Production Not budget as- for this one was $43 million versus over 100 for Last Duel, so... Last duel was like 150 or something, right? Yeah. It was something crazy. Uh, so here's the Rotten Tomatoes. It's currently sitting at 74%. Audience score is at a 90%. IMDb has it at 7.6 out of 10. Very solid score. Here is the synopsis. An aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. However, the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something far darker. All right, Ricky Flex. Uh, this movie wasn't worth seeing in theaters. I was, well, I was by myself, and this movie got a little scary or creepy at some points. So it did like hit it hit me in a couple of ways, just because I was by myself and I was just like looking around trying to see if anyone was coming. But I think it was. I think it was. It was cool visually. I think a lot of the whip around camera effects and uh, some of the yeah, some of the the shots were impressive to see on the big screen, but honestly, like I just, I do think this is worth seeing, but do I, am I saying run to the theaters and see this movie right away? No. I I think I agree with you. I think you phrased it perfectly where it was worth it to go see it, but would I just tell somebody, Hey, what are you doing right now? You have to go see last night. And so in theaters, I probably wouldn't say that to them. Right. I, first of all, the scares for me, I think that's where we could start because I thought this movie had a little bit of false advertising to it. It was not nearly as scary as I was hoping it was going to be. I was thinking that we know Edgar Wright is venturing off this new type of genre that he's never really attacked where he's, he's done horror movies, but in a way that there is like uh, there is humor infused and in it's way that it's 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 a way more enjoyable experience where you find yourself laughing more so than like screaming you know what i mean thinking about sean of the dead hot fuzz things of that nature yes, so you yes, were kind yes. of i was looking forward to like seeing an absolute all-out horror fest with anya taylor joy getting tortured thomas and mckenzie getting lost in this world and i feel like it didn't really live up to that to those expectations maybe they maybe i was too high with them ricky what do you think about that i didn't i'm glad it wasn't a pure horror movie because i'm not a big fan of horror movies i think they're too i think horror movies try to go out go all out for the scare too much and can get a little campy or just can focus on that and just have plot holes galore in them i think this one was more of a thriller with some jump scares in the second half of the movie the first half of the movie was not scary at all a coming of age story yeah it was more like yeah exactly a girl going off to college and dealing with mental health and nostalgia the relate to her mother and everything going on there so but the second half of the movie did have it scarce i think so like some of those flashbacks yeah. or whatever you want to call them like i know this is non-spoiler so like the sequences with the 60s with anna taylor joy i thought some of them were like wow like that's not not necessarily like jump scares actually more just like oh like like scary and just creepy. Yes. I think there definitely should be a spoiler section for this review. Okay.
because there's some discuss other things I had a real beef with just uh, brought up. I thought it was excellent. And like by the music that was chosen, I listened to an interview with Edgar Wright talking about this movie, saying this is music he grew up with living in England. I, you could tell it was like a passion project for him. You could tell he was just having fun with like, okay, what can I pull out of the, uh, the music catalog? today it's like spitting through the record let's let's go with here with the beatles right here there like i i really enjoyed that aspect i thought some of the best scenes were with anya taylor joy like dancing with matt smith's character mm -hmm. those sequences and then also it was so great that horror element but also thriller element supernatural element where you had the parallel scenes where you had anya taylor joy walking down the stairs and looking in the mirror and, and then obviously you have Thomas and Mackenzie walking alongside her. I thought it was mm -hmm. great acting and literally, and they're, they're literally exacting each other's emotion uh, motions. So perfectly. What did you think of uh, the 60s setting here, Flex? I thought it was phenomenal. I, I honestly thought it was. You also just to kind of carry on what you were just saying. I do think that Thomas and Mackenzie, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy play off each other very well. I thought that was very good. Um, mm -hmm. I, just, I just thought that was great acting. That was phenomenal. And the way it was shot, like I was trying to say with the camera angles and the whip arounds, I thought that was stunning. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was almost masterful. Like it might've been masterful. And it's just, it's kind of goes to like Edgar Wright, you know, like if you're thinking of the, the Cornetto series with Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and everything. And like in the, those are comedies, right? But they, you know, they're different. And Scott Pilgrim, I should mention. And they have the quick camera flashes, whips to like other people or like situations going on. Yeah. Very distinct. And Edgar Wright just in every one of his movies, he just does something uh, that's very distinct and unique. And in this movie, I just I haven't seen anything done to that nature before in a movie. And I thought that was the best part of the movie. Now, to go back to what you were just saying, I think with Ina Taylor Joy, I, I thought I thought because Thomas McKenzie was like the innocent, uh, very shy girl who's playing to the nostalgia of the 60s where Anya and where she's looking up to an Anya Taylor-Joy, who's just confident through the roof, dancing on all her cylinders. Yeah. yeah, her hero, basically. She dresses, she's, no, this is not a spoiler, like, she gets blonde hair, she's trying to wear the same clothes, 60s clothes, even though she's in the modern times. I thought, like, I did think that was a good theme in the movie as well, just related back to the mental health and the mother and everything going on. I did think that was good, too. And I know some people were, like, kind of disappointed with the, the plot of this movie a little bit. And I know like everyone's complimenting on the camera work and everything like that and the actual technical aspects of this film. But it looks amazing. Right. But I think a lot of people were commenting negatively on the themes and things like that. I think that was one area that this film shined was that one theme. Yeah. I, I, I do think Thomas and McKenzie was the scene stealer for not even the scene stealer. She was a star and she, I thought was incredible in this movie. She's an up and coming, uh, actress that people have had on their radar since jojo rabbit even earlier uh, i think that anya taylor joy was great and her like limited screen time she didn't have that much dialogue where mm -hmm. she really shined is that moment where she sings downtown and she has that audition scene in front of matt smith and then the the uh the stage director or whatever you want to call him the club director i i just kind of wish i saw more of her because like Obvious, I, I didn't know how much we were going to get. I knew we knew it was going to be mostly flashbacks, but to what extent? And uh, I think, like, I'm not going to say they didn't do enough with her. She was her. She's not the, like the star of this movie. She's right. just like a fig, a figment of like her of technically a ghost, right? A fig, a figment of uh, 
Thomas and McKenzie's imagination. But I, 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 Matt Smith, I think was pretty one note, to be honest. I didn't think he really brought much to the table. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I agree. If I, yeah. I was going to jump in here, because I ahead. think what you're saying is Anya Taylor-Joy, I, I agree with you on her aspect. She's not the star. She's a supporting actress. I thought she was in it for the right amount of time. Regarding uh, the pimp, though, that you just mentioned here, I think that besides like the introduction between Anya Taylor-Joy and him, it's like he was just like kind of, like you said, he was one note, but like he was just a flat, like he was in it for a flash or like saying, get over here. And that's it. Like he was he said, this, he felt like he was saying the same thing. Yeah, very movie. under, <laughs> very underutilized as like the quote unquote villain, like very underutilized mm-hmm. throughout the first half of the movie going on to the second half where like there was less flashback sequences with him, if any. So very underutilized. And I thought that was actually a drawback to the movie as well. And like Taylor Joy, I, I wrote that. I wrote down my notes here. She seemed like she's serving as a pretty face for a lot of it, like where they're just kind of like hitting you over the head with what's happening. Uh, they show it so many times how mm-hmm. she's being taken advantage uh, of. Yeah, and a lot. It, it's just so many times. I was and thinking last duel, over the head. like smacking you over the head, like last duel did with uh, the same like toxic uh, toxicity, or uh, I think it's the word of men. Yeah, and just like Oscar. this one, like obviously it's not like the same drastic like intense scenes as a last duel but this one just hit you over the head with it so many freaking times throughout the movie it was like it, it then it had like the creepy aspects of it not just with the men but also with like i don't i'll say that for the spoilers i think i think I, i'm you brought up a portion of the story that i kind of have a problem with experiencing a lot of fatigue with and that's toxic masculinity in show business with how they handle women I feel like it's such a prevalent theme in so many movies now that I'm just like, okay, I've seen this before. You know, I, I, I don't, it's not, I don't, it's, I'm not, I guess a lot of people want to see this story told. It's an important story to have, have it's an avenue to show, uh, but to have told, but I'm just, it, it's a little bit different, like variation on the story and like uh, what kind of dominates the news cycles nowadays in the last five years. But I think I am experiencing a little bit of fatigue. Have you ever had that kind of fatigue feeling, Flex? I did, but I think it's just because I saw the last duel. I think it was. I think it was yeah, mainly might be because it. of that. I, I think if like these came out completely separate times, I think it would be okay. But I do think like in last duel, it was just much more effective. Like as in, like the because yeah. it was three separate sequences, right, and like different perspectives, and that acting was phenomenal, and the screenwriting there was phenomenal to portray that. And you don't I, sympathize with Anya Taylor Joy's character, right? Exactly, exactly. I, and I'm trying not to spoil anything. Uh, we're not spoilers right now, but I think that's another great point. So I think just like that aspect, the last duel just did a, such a better job with it, versus this one where I I, I really do think it's, this one just hit you over the head with it, just because whether and then at the end, obviously you don't sympathize with the actual character, which hurts the case as well, right? Ricky, I also wanted to say you brought up a connection to The Last Duel. You know what other movie I made a connection to as I was watching this? Recent one we reviewed. Uh, not jungle. Uh, Horror movie. Malignant? Yeah. With it's, the lights? No, well, I was going to say like the story itself is very similar to Malignant and how she sometimes can feel what yeah Anya taylor's joy character is feeling that's still like, never explained how in this she's movie. transported yeah yeah it's 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 just kind of supernatural elements i think that yeah. they're going for here but uh what do you personally some things that i 
like I, I love the visuals of this movie. I love the acting in this movie, but what my real detractions are is the writing. There are so many like um, elements that had me kind of going, like raising my hands, like, okay, so like what's happening now? And so it's, it's like almost like the, like we're going to get into the spoilers with the twists and everything. One of the twists fell very flat with me and I was kind of like mad after I saw it. And uh, there's other points where the ending of the movie didn't feel like it was, there was full closure between uh, Thomas and McKenzie's characters and these other girls and friends yes, that she has. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I was raising my hands at the end of this movie. I'm like, what? It feels like they cut out like no closure, 20 like minutes of this movie. Like I was just, I like I, I kind of want to jump to the spoilers now, but I, let's just hold for a sec. Um, just what did you think about the overall writing and the, the like? I it seems seems like it didn't really detract from you that much, like your experience with the movie. Um, what do you think overall the writing? I think what you just said, my experience with the movie, my experience with the movie. Like I know we're kind of like now we're at the point where we're saying some negatives about it after saying some positives. I my experience was good, even though I was alone in the movie theater and it was kind of a scary second half of the movie. I was fine. And I had a good experience, but if I'm looking at this movie as like, as a grade, if I'm grading out of a hundred, like we always do, then like you think about it, it's like, well, it wasn't necessarily like perfectly written. It, it didn't bring Not enough closure to me and it's it didn't, shocking. but the actual like theater experience and like actually watching the movie, whether you're in a theater or not, I should say it was, it was good. It was a good experience, but if it's a, if I'm grading it, it's not a great grade. It's not bad, but it's not great because writing and some of the other elements that we've said. Right. And I, I think I'm with you. I, I'm a little lower than you. I think they could just tell by the tone of my voice. It's not like I was pissed off watching this movie or whatever, or mm -hmm. like it, the way it sounds. It's just like there are parts where like I've like we review so many movies now that you like notice I, it. Like, yeah, it's just like, okay, well, that is not tied up whatsoever. And that's what happens with like some of the writing of these like movies that are more uh they tend to like go for more of the scarce entertainment factor. You sacrifice sometimes the writing right. in order to do so. And sometimes you're falling victim to a runtime, which I think definitely could have been a possibility here too. Maybe there's nothing tied up. Like there's nothing tied up, but and, uh, uh, wait, wait, and just to kind of stay on the relevant point here, just real quick here, just, I was, th I was thinking, cause like, I know I'm going to ask you this question before we get the spoilers. So other people uh, can hear this that haven't seen the movie and they're, they're going to skip the spoiler section before we get to rankings of Edgar Wright movies. I was thinking of my rankings today, just like driving home from work. And I was thinking like this one, like obviously is the clear different, obviously the sparks, the documentary, I'm not counting. This is clearly the one, like this isn't a comedy. This is just completely different, right? From a normal Edgar Wright movie. Okay. Not upbeat, like a baby driver or not a comedy, like Cornetto trilogy or anything like that, or Scott Pilgrim. Edgar Wright, this is a great first start to a non strictly comedy, but definitely this is probably his least or the worst written movie he's done. I, I like, I think I agree. I was just doing the rankings in my head. That's why my, my, my face was pretty blank. If you're watching on the YouTube, but uh, <laughs> it's probably the worst uh, written and it's because he's better at like showing some comedy. I can like, name he's a comedic person. He's a comedic person. You ever listen to an interview or him on Twitter. He's just naturally has that charisma that like comedy uh, like that, that comedic presence with he's got wit. Yeah, yeah exactly and like this doesn't really have that and that's not like a knock against the movie it's just that that's what he's better at and hopefully like he does another one of these movies or, or multiple and you can kind of learn from this and keep going forward yeah and I, I like that he did a very like he very like he distanced he distanced himself from his usual comedic 
vibe, horror, right. comedic horror vibe. And he went for something different. And, and he's young. You got to do if you're a great director. And yeah, he's young. He, he's less than 50 years old, I think. So like he's like, you know, or he's around 50. I don't know. But he's very young. So like he still has a lot of time younger left. Than 50. Definitely yeah. younger than 50. So do you want to. So where does this rank in the pantheon of Edgar Wright movies? Before we throw our scores out, let's go with the rankings. I like not in order that I like. Hot I think fuzz. I have an order. Well, okay. If we're gonna, get, all right, fine. Order. Hot fuzz number one for me. Me too. Okay. I'm gonna go second. Shaun of the Dead. Then I'm going Baby Driver. And then it's a, And then I'm gonna put The World's End. Uh, World's I haven't End. seen it, unfortunately. Oh my god. Um, it's either World's End or this movie. Wow. And so you have Scott Pilgrim afterwards. Correct. And then I have Scott Pilgrim after. That's going to piss Nez off so bad if he listens to this. <laughs> but I know I'm, I'm Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead 1, 2. I'm also Baby Driver 3. Then I'm probably Scott Pilgrim and then this movie. Okay. So you have all. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. Got it. And like I said, I haven't seen the Sparks documentary, but I'm sure. It's but it, my hardest one there, Hot Fuzz was always going to be my number one. Well, like, I think like, that's, I think that, that's, that, best. That, that's like what's wittiest. I think it's arguably the most funny. It has like the pop culture references, the bad boys references. It's, it's, it's the spectacular movie. And there's no, there's very few better combinations in terms of uh slapstick and straight man, like Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, like, like those, that duo is so undefeated. Like, they, right. and like you won't find anything that they, uh, you won't be like, it's impossible not to be entertained when you're watching both those guys together. And the reason why worlds end, I agree with that. But the reason why World's End is lower on my rankings is because they flip roles in the World's End, even though it's a, I think it might be oh. underrated now, but they flip roles. No it's way. just not, it's just not as good. And like, it's still good and they both nail it. I just don't think it's as good as the other way around it was in the first two of the trilogy. You're telling me you never seen Bad Boys 2? So good. So good. Interesting. All-time duo. I, yeah, but I guess it's like this in uh scott pilgrim are neck and neck for like for fourth and fifth place for me like i like there's like a little bit of a distance because like those top three i think are legit and they're awesome movies um with that being said ricky flicks uh let's get to our scores what do you say yeah i'm gonna go 81 81 for me i i might be high i i could tell that you're not you're not gonna go as high but uh I did, like I said, I had a good experience with this film and I do think it was good. I think we'll get into spoilers uh, in a second, but closure is an issue. There's some issues with the script, but all in all, the performances, the look, feel, music. This was a movie and it was a good movie. I had a good time at this movie. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to criticize your score. Like you feel about the way if you, you feel about the movie, the way you feel about the movie. I'm going with a 66. I'm going with a 66 and I was honestly debating a little bit lower but i'm gonna hit well, i'm gonna stay with the 66 because the elements the visual aspects the acting that's good enough to make it like more than just a 50 percent. like it's better than it's, it's automatically makes a good movie the other parts yes there's other things that could be adjusted and we'll get into it with the spoilers but i'm confident with my 66 you with the 81 that does it for the spoiler free review of last night in soho you can skip ahead to our top billing draft of oscar bait failures after these spoilers all right folks. spoiler territory um we got to talk about a few things here we got to talk about a few things one 
what did you think about the Terrence Stamp reveal? And what did it did it do it for you? Were you shocked by it? Were you expecting it? Tell me what was going through your what was your brain process? So okay, my brain process was so Anya Taylor Joy, she's doing like the different names to different people, and then obviously she meets the cop who ends up being Terrence Stamp. So I knew like they cut away, but like I knew that character was gonna have to come back at some point because why change up the formula there? And then just have it end like that. It's a big There's actor no way. too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam I was Claflin. Just, so I was just like, all right, like that guy is somehow going to have an effect on this movie. And the only reason why I didn't think, I, I didn't put the pieces together because the guy was just so creepy. Terrence Stamp was so creepy. You and didn't feel like it was the same person. Exactly. Not at all. So and they don't look alike. And they don't look alike either. either. And like, I don't have much of a problem with that. It's more just like a cop wouldn't be doing that. Okay. especially that guy who felt so good like as like a good cop trying to save uh oh, like a, a prostitute like a, a good cop a good person like that wouldn't just do that to uh, thomas I, mckenzie i thought also like his screen time was so minimal like it was literally 45 seconds 45 seconds and we're supposed to like think oh yep of course that's like Terrence stamp like that makes sense like i, I just didn't think we got enough screen time with him i know you want to make it subtle as possible and make the audience kind of forget about this person but like i didn't even know him in the first place you know what i mean mm-hmm. does that make sense and i really do like sam claflin i think he's amazing in peaky blinders as the fascist as a leader of the fascist party but like, he's electric he's an electric factory like he's good yeah. um i think it's, I, I, he has potential yeah, he like I, I can see him being in a Marvel movie. Not gonna lie, like <laughs> like he like no, but he's no, but he could be. I, no, like, yeah, like Adam Warlock. I, I would have bought that. Like I could I could see that. Like Sam Claflin, he's big with the Hunger Games series. Yep, uh, he was in that like rom, not a rom com. It was like this romantic movie a couple of years ago where he's in the wheelchair. I think Amelia Clark is the one like working with him. I remember I saw it with my ex girlfriend a long time ago, but it's in my mm-hmm. head. Uh, in and then Peaky Blinders, which I watched recently, but I. Just wanted to see more of that character before we just found out Terrence Stamp is acting mm. creepy as a cop the entire time. Agreed. And I was just like, what What the hell was this? It fell flat to me. But uh, what did you think of the second reveal when it came when you came to found out find out about Anya Ter- Taylor-Joy's character and that really she had mm. been living in the house the entire yeah. time? So I was mad at that reveal. But then I was like, okay, well, we got to get it. Like you knew that was setting up for something big. And I do think that was a good reveal at the end. I liked it. I did too. I, I liked it. It had get out vibes. Yeah, it did with the T and yeah. the T and the, I, I, that did have get out vibes, but I did like it. I didn't like all the freaking creepy uh, ghost men. It's too many. It was so much. of That it. was it like was... hit. You're over the head with this thing. Yeah, that's how I was, I was trying to not say that it, but it, that was like the one thing I didn't like in this movie a lot was just the men. It was just weird. Either design them differently or just have them in it less. I yeah. did not like it. It wasn't scary. It was just creepy and weird. Taking off their clothes. Like with zombies. Just like, what are we doing? God, <laughs> come on now. But I did like the reveal, the big reveal. I thought that was effective, especially when there's a fire was again, this is the visuals here and the camera angles going up the stairs on Taylor joy slash the old lady and going up the stairs with the fire. Thought that was good. And effective. that was awesome. And that final pick of her sitting on the couch, fires burning, I thought was a great shot. Um, yeah, that that reveal, I like you could feel the tension like in the theater when that was happening, when she was sitting down face to face when she's stirring the tea. 
I was like, okay, like something big's about to yeah. happen. And then like you, you, you knew it, you, you knew it like before she even said it, like she's her. Like, so like it's her. yeah, exactly. Cause they did the zoom in on the same type of hair, like puffed up a little bit, yeah. but I knew something bad in the, in the house was going to happen when she, cause anytime someone says, but come inside if I'm not back in 15 minutes, something like that. There's just foreshadow right there. It's, it's going like, down. all right, something's happening in that house. And you know, it's not Terrence Stamp because he got he got popped uh, five minutes earlier. So, and that guy had a car the whole time. What the heck? That was just- right. And apparently that like Edgar Wright on an interview I listened to said that that uh-huh. was a, that was a joke that was about like London, like North and South London. They're supposed to be really far apart or something like that. Like you have to like, I don't know. Like, there was some joke that was hidden in there. It, it is far. Like it is far. Thing. Like North and South London is incredibly far. But uh, let's, I, let's I, we, you brought up her friend. Um, I think we should talk about some of her interactions with her college classmates and like how it was tied up at the end of the movie. Something we teased at uh, in the spoiler free section. I feel like one of the cringe scenes of this movie is when like she's upstairs, she sneaks him up. She's not allowed to have like any men in the house, obviously for obvious reasons after we find out like about Anya Taylor Joy's character. But it was really disturbing when she's having this like, this episode where she's seeing Anya Taylor Joy getting murdered, and then she's like screaming as if the guy's raping her, and then the girl walks in. Such an uncomfortable scene to watch, and I yeah. really it was so cringe. And if I was that dude, there was no way I would like ever go see this girl again. Like it's just like I'm just like that I was, don't know. Yeah. I was just like, how is this guy still like so into this girl who's clearly just like has so many mental issues, and like she's like just like she she almost like she went to you went to this, her house and like almost basically were accused of rape. I was just like, this is insane. This is too much. Yeah. That was cringeworthy. I didn't like, I don't think it, I, I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is like, obviously it was cringeworthy, but like it, I, I don't think it had to be in the movie, but it was. And I don't it, think it was a drawback. It makes more it sense. It makes more sense. Like when you find out the big reveal too, of like why she doesn't want men in the house. So I get right. that too. Yeah. So like, that's good. It was, just, it was just having and like, like and you knew she was asking because she wanted to go kill that guy right like she, she would have been like just, all right i'm gonna like, go kill that guy for you i was just like right. god damn it and, but i also want to talk about when she's having an episode in the library and uh she's seeing the men and then she basically the library was attempts un- yeah this is my least favorite part of the movie she attempts to murder her old roommate with unnecessary scissors unnecessary. why did they have to do that why couldn't they just show her like pushing her or something she went to a stab her with scissors and at the end of the movie i'm supposed to believe that everything's all good they were at the same fashion show together doing their work and they're like no closure there each other i'm just like what the hell she tried to murder you yeah like i think the first scene when like she's moving in and like showing how like of a bitch jacosta is here and like throughout the beginning of the film like the first act effective just because you're showing thomas mckenzie does not fit in here it shows her affinity to nostalgia 60s. That's yep. what she's comfortable with. Her mo- mother obviously committed suicide. Uh, since you're listening to this, you've, you've seen the movie spoilers. So, like, it still, like, related back to her. Or, and, like, re- yeah. So, I don't need to explain it. But the fact that they continue throughout the movie to do this, and then at the end, in the third act, do that, and then just have no closure on it, I thought was a waste of time. And yeah. it, I think, all right, let's trim some of that out. And let's do some more Terrence Stamp, the cop character, or something else. Right. I mean, I, I'm with you there. And I also, the, uh, yeah, or the Matthew Blake uh, 
I was also going to talk, speaking of like cops, dude, like she went to the female cop. Like what happened with that storyline? How did that get, where was the closure there whatsoever? She She went to the house and that's it. And like, no, but like she like, obviously they, they think she's crazy. Like the male cop thinks she's crazy. The male cops making fun of her in the boy in the men's bathroom. Then the woman goes up to her saying like, you can trust us. Like I try, I believe in you. I like, I, 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 I believe there's truth in what you're saying. You just need to get some help. Like it felt like there was going to be something else that happened with that cop. Right. Did you not feel like that either? Or I like thought, that? I thought maybe she would come back after like, um, the, like she would uh, go in the house or something. Yes. Like, I, I just figured like that, like you, why would you even make that a significant conversation with that, with Thomas and McKenzie's character in the movie? Like they would just like, okay, you're out on the curb. We don't believe you. It's not right. Whatever. All right. So then we move on and then the house yeah. comes down. Maybe they show up or something. It was just that. I don't think that's I, a good point. Like what's the point of even having that in the movie? Yeah. The point I think was to like have the grant, the old lady who ends up obviously being. On oh yeah. Like you went to the cops. It's like, you went to the cops. So you know about this. Ah, so I had to yeah. kill you. But I think that was the point. But I do agree, like, it would have been nice if, like, she had some closure with her character. Like, like, well. It seemed like she was, like, like the cop was overly sentimental towards her. Like, it just seemed like there was some connection being made. I, I guess maybe that's mm-hmm. just a little too much for me. Um, all right. Uh, any other things you want to talk about in this movie, Ricky Flex, before we move on to our top mm-hmm. billing draft? No, I think we covered it. I, 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 do, I do think there were some closure issues with this movie. But overall, I did like it. I did like it. Like it's a good amount. I did. I, I did like it. It was a good experience. All right. Positive review from Ricky Flex and Dr. O. It's an 81 from Ricky Flex and a 66 from Dr. O. We will now move on to our top billing draft of worst Oscar bait movies. Dr. O breaking news. You were right about Pedro Pascal having a cameo in the book of Boba Fett trailer. Knew it. Knew it. When Fett says, uh, Boba Fett says, I am not a bounty hunter. Um, I've heard otherwise. That's Pedro Pascal. I knew he was in. I knew I recognized it. You're right. You're right. All right. Let's get to the top billing here. Let's get to the top billing. Ricky Flex, we have the worst Oscar bait movies. This is sort of inspired by Eternals and its Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, I remember there was a point on this podcast where I said this had a chance at some Oscar potential with Chloe Zhao directing a uh Marvel film, uh, uh, basically something the Marvel universe hadn't seen before, potentially. And it seems like we are getting that because this is the first ever rotten movie in the history of the MCU, even worse than the Thor, the dark world. Shockingly. Um, Ricky flicks, any uh, clarifications I need to make before we jump into this draft. So it's yeah. Oscar based. So these movies, there is some Oscar buzz around casting news or coming up to the box office weekend and then it was just a flop or like not necessarily box office but like just not a good movie right but it had to be like in consideration like someone talked about it being like in the oscar contention at one time big time okay. yeah Got so it. that's what that's where we're going with this uh so you want to flip the coin and then we'll get it rolling yes sir all right for the youtube heads Tails, I will flip it. Tails. It's Tails, your choice. Man. Second. All right. So I get to go first. 
and I will be picking a movie where I thought there was going to be Oscar contention. And boy, was I wrong. And the reason I'm picking this first is because I is my favorite actor in it. Jay Edgar. Wow. On my list. Jay Edgar. Terrible movie. I don't think Leo was that bad, but he wasn't good. Army Hammer. Kind of canceled. Canceled. Just this movie wasn't good. 2011 movie. Terrible. Like Jay Edgar. Like obviously Jay Edgar has a lot of uh, he's been depicted in movies a lot before. But this was like his time, like his uh, his movie. And they made him look terrible, which like, arguably was. But the fact that this was also a bad movie just makes it that much worse. So Jay Edgar, 2011 movie. I, I don't even know what it is on Rotten Tomatoes, but my guess is like a 26%. I'm going to guess a 44. Jesus, why are you so good at that? It's a 43. Oh, man. See, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I just know. But that's my uh, first pick. Dude, I think this is what I was going to pick with my first overall. But I think wow. were, so uh, I was hoping it was going to drop to me here uh, for second and third. But uh, yeah, Leo and Clint Eastwood, a combination you would think has Oscar potential. Uh, some of the handling of that story was pretty sketchy. So, and I know it was yes the dresses and like the cross dressing and then the relationship with Army Hammer's character it had a lot of things that Clint Eastwood might have been taking some liberties or maybe he didn't go far enough who knows Jay Edgar was just a weird dude but also it made him look really bad because like a movie that was kind of like honoring him in the first half made him look like quite the scumbag in the second yeah. half yeah it's like <laughs> the fact that Lumberg's uh, kid that he didn't who wasn't even there Lindbergh 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 sorry Lumberg. <laughs> Lumberg. 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 Get my face on. Oh, oh, oh. Lumberg's kidding. All right, we'll move on. We'll move on. After that mess up. All right. All right. So, it's up to, so yeah, but that's a great first pick. Um, I'm going to go with one that is kind of recent. I think it's 2017. But I thought when I saw the trailer for this, I'm like, this is a heartwarming story. It's going to win all the Oscars. <laughs> it's got a great cast. It's got a great director. That's the director great. director of Back to the Future and <gasps> the director of Forrest Gump and the star Steve Carell. <laughs> I'm going to welcome to Marwin as, my, as my first round pick. They th- I thought like with the... Um, the the special effects of this movie had like the, the, the Steve Carell looks like with his uh his, like as the toy soldiers and like it's a story also I think about bullying and at the same time uh, I think it talks about uh, 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 what's it talk about like um, healing for soldiers like PTSD I think it goes mm-hmm. into I, I don't really remember <laughs> to be honest I don't Steve Carell wasn't a soldier but I think it helps he helps like uh, remedy some of the other soldiers and their experiences and tries to like come like uh i don't know he acts like almost like as a, as a therapist of sorts am i right about that or am i just speaking out of my butt he's talking to a therapist okay but I, I thought this movie was gonna be um definitely an oscar contender and it just fell flat in its face and uh how do you feel about welcome to marlin ricky it was on my list i uh personally did not expect it for oscars but there was so much buzz around it for oscars i was just completely shocked just by the like the puppet slash action figure in this movie being real and combination i had no faith in this movie i'm i'm happy that i actually had a prediction that was correct that this would flop 
but there was so much Oscar buzz around this. So much. Yeah, there was. There's Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis, dude. Oh, my goodness gracious. Good um, pick. So going on to my second pick, I'm going to go recency bias. I'm going to go with Cherry. Uh, Cherry with Tom Holland and the Russo brothers, a movie that people were saying Tom, like Tom Holland is going to get an Oscar nom for the first time where there people are talking about the devil all the time, him and Pattinson. And then they talk about Cherry. Is this the time where Tom Holland's going to separate himself from Spider-Man and the Russo brothers can they make a good movie that's not associated with Marvel? Turns out not yet. <laughs> There's not the can't yet. And that movie was so overbloated. And they tried to make Tom Holland look like seem like a 40, 50, 60 year old in the, in that movie at some points. And it really never happened. I didn't like the themes of that movie, pretty much attacking the U.S. Army at some points. Um, something that really rubbed me the wrong way. But I'm going to go with Cherry for recency bias as my second rounder. Cherry, man, I, I remember we watched that and we were going to review it on the pod, but then it was just so bad. We didn't review it. And because like, there was like another good movie coming out at the same time. We're like, Oh, let's just review the better movie. Right. Yeah. It was sad. Cause like, we've been hyping up this movie for so long. I wrote multiple blogs like, Hey, Tom Holland. And he, Tom Holland did perform well in it. It was just overly long, such an overbloated story. So, so, so much going on so yeah. much. So a messy movie, um, which is shocking. Cause usually like the Russo brothers, they know how to handle a lot of characters, a lot of storylines going on in one movie, but they might just have a fascination with superhero movies that doesn't translate to their other films. So yeah, that's my number two pick. You're up flex. All right. So I have one. So I wrote that Jay Edgar was the first one I wrote down. I have another one I wrote down, but I think I could get away with it in the final final two rounds so i'm gonna save it so i'm first gonna go with a guy who doesn't take showers and that's ashton kutcher and jobs oh 2013 uh 2012 2012 right 2012 um might be 2011 i don't even remember but no 2013 2013 2013 but uh steve wozniak played by josh gad Like there was, there was finally a Steve Jobs biopic coming out. Ashton Kutcher, like maybe like he, like he was still in his rom com days, but maybe this was his breakout role to get to the serious acting to become a serious actor. Nope, this flopped, and he went to Two and a Half Men afterwards. Just absolutely put him in the graveyard for ever getting close to being a real actor. Not gonna get an Oscar nom. Sucked. Jobs. What I remember, he was only cast in the role because he looks identical to Steve Jobs. Right. That's why he got the role, not because of his acting chops. And I remember this movie came out dangerously close to like right after Steve Jobs died. Like it was like really neck and neck. Like, okay, he died. Felt, it almost felt like this movie was already in the works. And yeah, it was died. in 2011. Uh, Steve Jobs died October 5th, uh, it, it 2011. It just felt so rushed when this came out. I felt it was must watch just because steve jobs like it's like it's but ashton kutcher he looks just like him it's gonna be great but yeah it fell flat in his face highly highly recommend to those who haven't seen steve jobs not jobs steve jobs starring michael fassbender way better performance i believe oscar nominated and also the way they shot the different iconic moments in steve Jobs's life i thought was powerful and uh it's definitely worth checking out i think ricky flicks you actually watched it recently by your snapchat 
Yes, I watched it two days ago, and I still think Michael Fass as one of the best performances in the past in that decade and maybe 21st century, in my opinion. Um, people also, just because we're talking about Steve Jobs, people forget Shiv's in the movie. Shiv, yeah, from Succession. Um, all right, does she play his wife? Is a girlfriend? No, uh, like, she, and she plays just like the the girl that try that has to get the exit signs to be black. Uh, to, to oh, she's in. So she's up. not in it. She's in it for a little bit. She's in it for like three scenes. Kate Winslet's also amazing in that movie. Yes, very much so. So now for your third flicks. Okay, so pick jobs. No, I'm just gonna do it. When I saw this trailer, I was like, "Wow!" Like they're really trying to build off of Wolf of Wall Street, and they're bringing two up and coming actors here, Taron Egerton and Anzal Elgore, right after Oh my Baby gosh, Driver, right after The Kingsman. Billionaire Boys Club, 2018 movie, 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is a trap. This should be deleted forever. Third movie on this podcast that we should say this should be deleted. This one actually should be deleted. This movie is so bad. Try to be Wolf of Wall Street. The big KS, we don't say his name, is in this Um, movie. Emma Roberts is in this movie. KS alert. This movie is horrendous. It is mind-blowing that steven spielberg saw Anzo elgore in this and said yes you could be in west side story and star in it ridiculous he's not good billionaire boys club yeah i've never seen it and i have no passion to see it um i don't mind Anzo elgore i think he's a talented dude also semi-canceled but i i'm excited to see him in west side story i loved him in baby driver uh Taron Egerton, I like, don't love. I, I liked him in First Kingsman, uh, Second Kingsman. I like him too. And I liked him as Elton John, but uh, I, 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 I can't say like I'll go to bat for Taron Egerton. Like I, I just, I can't see it. And KS, obviously, massively talented, but this like movie dropped right after all the news came out. Mm. Right after all the news came out, and everyone was so turned off by him. He probably got review bombed just because he was in it, to be honest. Mm. Uh, good pick. It wasn't on my radar, but it's a, it's a good pick. Yeah, I should have waited, but I, I, I want to talk about it so bad. <laughs> all right. So now we're on to my third pick to wrap up the third round. I want to pick a Will Smith movie because he's had so many. He's had so many like Oscar bait movies that just have never come to be. Um, we're, I, we're hoping this trend is comes to a halt with King Richard. It looks like it may come to a halt where he actually might get nominated. It might just not look like he's trying as hard as he can, like to no avail, but I guess I'll go with seven pounds. I'll go with seven pounds of Will Smith probably the saddest movie you'll ever watch. Just they try and make you cry time and time and time again in that movie. I've tried to, I have watched it with my ex-girlfriend and she like loved it. I'm just like, dude, how can you like, like watching this movie? It's just like an intense amount of sadness throughout. And they're just trying to like make you weep buckets the entire time and i felt like there was like 10 different will smith movies i know i'm going to mention a few in honorable mentions but i think that one is the most obvious one where he was like going for it you know yeah uh so there's a bunch of will smith movies you're right um yeah i think king richard's going to be different i really do just based off everything i'm hearing right now i think that i'm not sure he'll get nominated i think he will but I think that's not going to be a bad movie. Like it won't be, it wouldn't be an honorable mention in this draft. Yeah. 
man, these <laughs> movies. I can't believe we're drafting these movies in the draft. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> uh, Gabe, we talking on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to go next uh, for acting performance. Uh, I guess the movie could have been nominated, but I'm going to go with our boy, Jared Leto. I'm going chapter 27, where he's playing Mark David Chapman, where he gained like 150 to 200 pounds for a role. Uh, where he was basically just eating ice cream to a movie that debuted, I believe, with less than 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is a point where Jared Leto hadn't accomplished too much in his career um, up until this point. Yes, he had Fight Club. Yes, he was had Requiem for a Dream. But he was. this is where we really see him start to go into that method acting that we kind of like expected when he played the Joker or when he did... Um, uh, uh, what's the uh, McConaughey Dallas movie? Buyer Club. Dallas Buyers Club. Like he, like, like this is where you see this guy's a little nutty, even with a role. I mean, you're playing a famous assassin, and you went all out for this role, and like, not even that famous of an assassin, to be honest. Like, he's got to be like a third tier, like murderer, right? Mark David Chapman, maybe second tier. He's not with like the John Wilkes Booth of the world. You know, he's not up there, but it just seems like a lot of effort for such a crappy movie. And it just showed us how weird Jared Leto can get. Mm, yeah, that really, uh, that was a miss. No, that was a swing and a miss. Massive miss. Uh, you're on, was that on your list at all, Flex? No, but that's a great pick. Didn't think of it, but that is a great pick. <laughs> For one of these things, I was thinking, all right, method acting that have gone wrong. Like I was trying to think of those for my list. That's a good one. That is a good one. All right. You're a fourth rounder. Okay. So I wasn't, I was alive, but I wasn't like, I was only four years old when this movie came out. Okay. So, but this is like, at least for what I was reading, like the last, or like, even if you look at this guy's IMDb, this is like his last serious role before this guy just went into all action, all franchises or action. And this might've been the one that did it. Vanilla Sky, Tom Cruise movie. Wow. This movie stinks. This movie stinks. It is it's, all over the place. It's all my, over streaming. The, my name is Earl Guys in this movie. And he has a significant role but this movie is just makes no sense. And it just jumps from place to place. And Penelope Cruz is jumping place to place. And Tom Cruise, he doesn't have a face. He has a face. He's wearing a mask. He has scars <laughs> all over his face. He doesn't. It makes no sense. This has uh, 42% in Rotten Tomatoes. Should be 12. This movie was the end of Tom Cruise's serious acting, even though I do think he could pull it out of his hat. If he ever wants to do it again, please, Tom, you could do it. But this one was the one where he's like, I'm not getting an Oscar nom. This is like right after Magnolia. He's like, all right, fine. Let's just do Minority Report and start this action franchise. Go. Let's, let's just start the action movies. Let's do it. This the is straw, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. This is the dagger. Vanilla Man, Sky. This was the moment where Tom Cruise said, I'm just going to go all out for every one of my Mission Impossible movies and risk death. It had the, the story element of like, he learns like the ways like to be a better person and everything oh. like the love story, the friend it had all the Oscar elements came out during Oscar time and boom flop. End of Tom Cruise serious acting. 
yeah so my fourth pick. we gotta look at like some of the dates when these dropped because like that would be very telling about these movies and their expectations mm-hmm. if we're looking at like an october to january release we're probably looking at oscar season M- yeah. more likely october to december well this movie came out december 14th oh that's prime time and it did make over 200 million dollars in 2001 which is very good i want to like, at that's the box a, that's office. very good <laughs> yeah but this movie sucks terrible so uh-huh. um like the oh god but all right that's my pick uh fourth yeah. pick my last pick i'm gonna go okay i feel bad because i'm gonna put two clint eastwood movies on here but i'm Whoa. going i'm going the 1517 to paris oh good one <laughs> this one because it was bit based off a true story right it's about um there's like a terrorist attack on a train uh, that a train that's going to Paris, obviously the 1517. Right. And then three Americans try to stop the train. Okay. Clint Eastwood had the guys actually play like non-actors play the actual heroes from the situation acted in the movie, but this got so much Oscar hype and they realized once it was coming up to its release date that this movie sucked, but no one knew that. Until they push the release date to February. That's when you know, oh boy, this is going to be a dud. But this had the Oscar hype around it. Clint Eastwood was coming off of American Sniper. He's working with American soldiers again. You're feeling it. Nope. Dud. Sucks. This movie sucks. And this was a 23% in Rotten Tomatoes. The 1517 uh, to Paris. I, 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 I. When I found out that these guys who were like, like, first of all, hats off to them. Like, that's amazing that what yes. they did, but it's just, it's so Clint Eastwood to try and do this. Like the man who's all American and like, he's wants to honor America in the best way possible. Let's reward these soldiers with this potential Oscar worthy story. And you have them act in this movie. Uh, it was a bust. It was a bust before it even began. It was a yeah. boss before it even began. Uh, I, I've yet to find someone who liked this, except I listened to a podcast of the ranking of the best Clint Eastwood movies. And they had a Clint Eastwood expert come on and rank this like number five, <laughs> just because of like the, how they honored America oh, oh. and how they honored oh. these soldiers. I was just like, come on, dude, you, like, don't be such a Clint Eastwood hardo. Yeah. Like, let's just be real. Let's, let's yeah. be real to audiences here. Like we do at the driving podcast. This movie sucked, but we, yeah, but thank you for your service. On to uh, Mr. Irrelevance. I'm torn between two. I'll say them out loud. One, I don't even think is an Oscar buzz movie. It's just a really bad movie. And that's uh, Gotti. Gotti with Travolta. That's not, to me, that was never in contention for an Oscar. Yes, it's a very noteworthy biopic and a huge name, a gangster type movie, obviously. But it's directed by Kevin Connolly, you know, yeah, Kevin Connolly. If, if I will so. help you out here, I did think of that. And when I said the clarification about the Oscars thing, right when you said that off the list, because no yeah. one expected zero percent in Rotten Tomatoes. But this was not going to be an Oscar movie. Yeah. So I'm going to go with my second option here. And this is the Angelina Jolie's first direct her directorial debut. Oh, a, a movie that um, was adapted from a book that I love a book and one of the greatest stories of any American ever of any Italian American ever. And it is a story of an Olympic 
a, a, a basically a brat who goes on to be an Olympic sprinter, compete for a medal, and then has to serve overseas and becomes a prisoner of war. I'm going with unbroken as my fifth round pick. It feels like this is when Angelina Jolie fell off. It's uh, this is like she, she had a recent divorce with Brad Pitt at this time. And then she was not doing much acting. And then she says, okay, I'm going to like fire this movie off. And it was supposed to be, it is an incredible story. It's an, it, it is made. It's an Oscar made story if it's done right. But the movie became too long. It became less and less about the guy's actual story and more about just like the uh, effects of being a prisoner of war. I, I just, I was so disappointed by this movie. I, I, I wanted to like it so bad, but the book just like kicks its ass. It, it's so good compared to this. So I'm going on broken as my fifth rounder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one, this has a 51% round tomatoes, but yeah, I agree with you. This is definitely worthy of the list. And also this is like one of the ones, like a lot of the ones that we've done here, like if we go through our list, Jay Edgar, Leo, Jobs, Ashton Kutcher, like celebrity, Billy and Bear's, like my, like I'm just going through my list. Billionaire, Boys Club, Taron Egerton, Ansel Elgort, Vanilla Sky, Tom Cruise. Like these are successful names. Like all of our, all of our names that we have so far have successful actors and, or actresses in them. And these are just like, that's why like also they're kind of Oscar because the cast. This one, this guy who played him, Jack, Jack O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. Just, he has been in nothing. Nothing. So since. he, he had a lot of hype to him younger when he was in uh, his early days of his career. This movie was supposed to like launch him to another stratosphere, right. but it put him in the dirt, like put him in the dirt. Yeah. So tough. it's like, this is like the one dirt, like weird one on our list where it's not because of. Yeah. Even looking at mine, cast. like, I, like literally welcome tomorrow and Steve Carell, Cherry, obviously uh, Tom Holland, seven pounds. You have Will, Will Smith, Smith, chapter 27, Jared Leto unbroken is the one that stands out and you remember it mainly because angelina jolie was supposed to be adopting this incredible story it's, it's such a good story louis zamperini recently passed away a couple of years ago uh r.i.p to a legend but he deserved a better movie i would be open to someone else adapting it to be honest yeah uh that, that's a great, great point maybe too early but i don't know make it a mini so forgettable you could even make it a mini series his life was so insane and so long and mm. he lived till he was 98 and he like he he, he was his life was ext- like he went from an Olympic sprinter, right? At, at in uh, the 30s, it, right? In, in Berlin, in Berlin, no, for 36. Okay. Right. So Jesse Owens, bro, like with Jesse Owens. So he like goes from there, then as a prisoner war. of war, stranded at sea, prisoner of war. Like it's an incredible story. And like the like, trailer it's, it's, for this, also like another thing with the inspirational like, movie, mm-hmm. oh, like definitely Oscar Beatty. Just the inspirational story, the trailer, like the trailer was so Oscar Beatty too. Mm-hmm. Really tried to get you to say right, this is going to be in the award conversation. I'm with you on this. This is a good pick. All right, so let's read off the list and we'll get to honorable mentions. Ricky Flicks has Jay Edgar, Jobs, Billionaire Boys Club, Vanilla Sky, and the 1517 of Paris. Dr. O has Welcome to Marwin, Cherry. Seven Pounds, Chapter 27, and Unbroken. Ricky Flex, honorable mentions, go. All right, to kind of stay relevant with another like famous book, The Goldfinch. I had that. I uh, didn't want two Ansel Elgort names on my list, um, but yeah, I think that one's a clear. The book like, is supposed to be incredible. Yeah, it's supposed to be, one, it's supposed to be like one of the best fiction books ever. 
Like, right. And I'm just shocked incredible. it was it bombed so hard. I thought yeah. this was going to be Ansel Elgort. Like, okay, I, I have arrived. But right. ever since Post Baby, Baby Driver, Driver, he hasn't had that. Yeah. And like this was in 2019. So like after Baby Driver as well. And after Billionaire Boys Club. And he was with, he was unlike Billionaire's Boys Club, where he's next to like young actors like Emma Roberts or Taron Egerton. He's next to like Nicole Kidman in this movie, Sarah Paulson. Um, yeah. So like it's just like, come on now. Like you had like this is a better shot and you still flopped on this one. Um, mm-hmm. So that that one. I didn't pick this one because I think I'm alone in this. I don't like The Great Gatsby. I don't think it's a good movie, but that has I like it. it. I do like it. Um, I thought Jay Edgar was the more obvious, like, Leo pick for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, uh, another great soundtrack, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Uh, Planet of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> people, yeah. People were was saying, that Oscar like, bait? I don't know. I thought I did because of the previous one. Maybe I'm wrong there, but that's why I didn't pick it. Uh, remember Aloha? Bradley Cooper, Emma Stone. Cooper. Yeah. Jack Lawrence? That, that, yeah, that one just flopped. Flopped. Oh, it was Emma Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma Stone, Emma saying. Stone. Yeah, that one flopped. And Serenity my, would have been a good one. Oh, that also got a push release from December Anne to Hathaway January. And Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey movie. Mm. Um, then a couple more. I just had, uh, as a joke, Cats, but like, not for like Best Picture, but like for like, music, but... <laughs> People so have been bad. talking. People were getting excited about cats. Yeah. Um, people forget just because like pandemic as well, kind of like got this got lost. But Woman in the Window. Ah, Amy, Amy Adams. Adams, Gary Oldman. People were talking about like, oh, is Amy Adams gonna get Gary Oldman's in that movie? Yes. Oh, geez. like people were My saying. Boy. Um, and then uh another one with just an unbelievable cast. And I remember seeing this trailer thing, like, oh, is this like a rom-com like but then people were saying, oh, like, uh, honestly, like, this is a pretty good one. And Collateral Beauty. Yeah, Collateral, Will Smith Collateral again. Beauty. Will Smith again. And, like, Ed Norton, Keira Knightley, Helen Mirren, uh, Kate Winslet. Like, some so, big-time actors who Oscar noms or Oscar winners. This movie flopped. It has, like, a, was it, a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Thanks. So, and it has a December release date, I believe. So, yeah. Or no, no, it got pushed March. Collateral beauty. Yeah, dude. I I was looking at doing research and seeing Kate Winslet next to Will Smith for this movie. I was like, you know, I was in shock. (laughs) I was in shock. Uh, Any other ones there, Flex? Nah, you go. Uh, Will Smith, another one I just got to throw out there. One that I don't really enjoy. Concussion. Concussion. I think it's not terrible. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> Come on, that's actually not a bad scene, but like it's uh, kind of uh, it's up. Not the it's not the greatest movie. I had. I, um, I won't. I think the all every, every single movie we drafted here is worse than that. I had Live by Night. Ben Affleck coming off Batman. That's a good one. Because like he was in the age of like okay the town Argo okay Batman then okay can he bounce back Live by Night and he that flapped flopped really hard. I had the Greatest Showman. Um one even though greatest, people like that movie i do yes, think it sucks. I, I thought that wouldn't play well on a graphic uh greatest showman just like hugh jackman going back to like the musical vibes everybody saw what he did at the oscars 
and they know what he's capable of. Like, okay, what's he going to be here? PT Barnum. But he's like, Oh no, he's way too sexy. He cannot be PT Barnum. <laughs> no, 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 no. But they had like Zendaya. Then it had Zac Efron Had all these names and entertainers. It was, yeah. DeVito, right? Wasn't Danny DeVito in this? Too? Yeah. 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 And some other people catch. I had um, downsizing with Christoph Waltz. Dang Matt it. Damon, that's a good one. That, that's a huge miss. Yeah. I had, um, that's a big miss. And then I had Ridley Scott Exodus with Christian Bale as Moses. I thought that's more of like an action movie. They made it rather than a religious mm. movie, but it definitely had the religious aspect where it's like, Oh, this could have potential. And then my last, uh, I had beautiful boy with Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. I felt like I that was gonna, neither have I, but I felt like that was going to win every single award. Then it kind of got shut out for whatever reason. And then lastly, one that was supposed to be like a, it got messed up due to the pandemic. It came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. Tom Hardy playing Al Capone, oh. Fonzo, where it basically spends the movie playing Al Capone. Crap That's a miss. That's another miss. I don't know. Like, I like. I, I think these picks are good. I just, uh, I, I, the, the, I think I can. I think my team on my honorable mention might be better than my actual team. <laughs> Same. I think your honorable mentions is better than my. It's up there. Downsizing. Downsizing is a monster mess. There's yeah. that one had all the Oscar buzz around it. Like that one was a big Oscar buzz movie. I feel like other ones, like if just recency bias, Midnight Sky with uh, yeah. Clooney. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe people are finding out she's not a great director. Hopefully that's not well, the case with the tender bar. Yes, yes, yes. And also uh, I do love um, Ides of March. Ooh, he directed that one. Yeah. He also like was supporting actor, obviously, but. But yeah, he directed yeah. that. He directed that one. I do like the Ides of March too. I think that's yeah. a kind of a forgotten political thriller. Maybe we Love should it. do it. Oh, it's a le- god damn it! It's election day tomorrow. We could have done like political thrillers. <sighs> that would have been mess. an awesome episode. That would. There's we'll so save. many good ones. I have a. Oh, I should tweet my blog of election movies. Yeah, so like I guess political thrillers is like one we could dive into, or just political movies. Like, so we can. So we can. Forgot about ele- election day. Forgot about that. Yeah, not that big of a one this year. Hmm. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait to see those uh, those moments pop up on my feed, my time hop a year ago. See what's going on the election. What a chaos! Uh, That's gonna do it for our draft, and that's gonna do it for our episode. Make sure you tune in next week for our review of Eternals, and I believe we're doing a double review with the harder they fall. That is TBD. We we it might it might be a double review. Not sure. If we don't do a double review, Ricky Flex and I will j- hop on the YouTube, put it on there for yeah. y'all. Uh, Part of the falls on Netflix, Eternals yes. just in theaters. Eternals in theaters. We're going to see if it's as bad as everyone says it is. That's going to do it for episode 61 of the Drive-In Podcast. Until next time, we will smell you.